Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Good morning. It's good that people came back after last week. I was a little nervous, but it's good to see um, that you are a very forgiving church. It's good. This morning, we are completing our series on the Purpose Driven Life. And um, as we go through this this morning, you'll see me use quite a range of scriptures. And if I don't say where it's from, it means it's New Living Translation. Otherwise, you'll see it on the screen um, with the other translation that I've used. Why Am I Here on Earth has really been, I guess, the topic um, of this series or another way of putting it, what is my purpose in life? And God created us with five key purposes and we've already looked at four of these. First one, worshipping God, knowing and loving God. Number two, loving people. Number three, becoming more like Jesus. And Number four, sharing the gospel, the good news. And today we're going to look at this fifth and final purpose. Now, it's not unusual for someone to say, you know, I want my life to count or I want to do something with my life. I've heard a lot of people say these sort of things or I want to make a difference or I want to give something back. Have you heard people talk that sort of language? And the reason we all have all these desires and the reason we think like that is because of God. He created us. To have this desire, it's actually in our DNA. It says in Ephesians 2.20, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God created us and he put his Holy Spirit in us when we accept him so that we could do good things. So God didn't create us to be um, consumers. He created you and I to actually be contributors didn't create us to exist. He created us to make a difference. And our final purpose that we're going to be looking at today, our final purpose is to serve God. Job 10.8 says, your hands have shaped me and made me. You know, this verse tells me that God has purposely um, shaped my life and he's purposely shaped your life. We are all unique. And Rick Warren, who wrote the Purpose Driven Life book, says that God... um, uses five things to shape us and he he uses this acronym for the word shape and he says that they're spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality and experiences. And God takes all of those five things and from that we get you because your experiences are different to my experiences, your personality is going to be different to mine, abilities, we're going to have differing abilities, we're going to have a different heart or or you might think passions, um, the things that really you deeply desire. And then God gives us each different giftings, spiritual giftings, which if you want to, we'll, we'll look at that a little bit later. But there, you then take those five and then each of us might have one thing the same, but the other thing might be different. So everybody has this different mix of this shape. And so none of us are exactly the same. All of us are different. God made it that way, that there would be only one of me, and you're probably saying thank goodness for that, and there's only one of you. you. Everyone else is going to be slightly different to you. Why? Why would God make us all unique? Why not make us all the same? And I actually believe that there's a purpose in this. I actually think that it's so that we can serve God in a way that no one else can. 
Because God has you for a specific purpose. See, God didn't make us um, unique for our benefit. It says in 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to make a ton of money. Does that sound right? But that's how we sometimes take it, isn't it? What does it actually say? It says use them well to serve one another. My gifts and talents were not designed to serve me. They were designed to serve others. Our purpose in life is to be who God made us to be and he gave us our shape, all those things we talked about, so that others could benefit. So my final purpose in life is to serve God. How do I do that? Easy, by serving others. That's why we exist. You and I are not here to simply use up some of the remaining oxygen nor are we here to take whatever we can get from anybody that we can possibly get from. God created us to serve him by serving others. Now, some people are really happy to serve God. They're more than happy to serve God. They just don't want to serve others. And can I just say this? You can't do that. It doesn't work like that. You can't go, I'll do it for God, but I'm not going to do it for those people. That's how you serve God. God has given each of you a gift. Use it well to serve one another. That's how you serve God. We serve God by serving others. It's actually called a thing called ministry. Some people hear the word ministry and they think, well, that's your job, Josh. You're the minister. You're the pastor. You're the priest. You're the vicar. You're the... Reverend, you're the whatever you want to call it, Padre, maybe, I'm not sure. But the Bible actually says, guess what? All of you, everybody's a minister. Ephesians 4.11, and he himself, that is Christ, gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints. Who are the saints? Us, everybody, for the work of ministry. You know what that tells me? Not every Christian is a pastor. Not every Christian is an evangelist. Not every Christian is an apostle, etc., etc. But every Christian is a minister. Whenever we use our shape, whenever we use our gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality and our experiences to help others, guess what we call that? That's ministry. In the Bible, service, the word service and the word ministry, they're exactly the same word. If you go back, they're exactly the same word. Servant and minister, exactly the same word. If you, so if you're a Christian and you're ever thinking, I'm not called to ministry, thank you, Lord. Actually, you are because you're a minister. Anytime we use our shape to help others, we are serving God. And if we're serving God, we are ministering. And that goes for kids even those doing the JDP program, it goes for youth, it goes for men and women, everybody, anyone doing anything to help others for them in the name of God is doing ministry. So one of my purposes is to serve God by serving others. Fair enough. Um, so what am I meant to do? Like what, what do I have to do? And I would say let's go back to our third purpose. Our third purpose was that we would become more like 
Christ. We'd become more Christ-like, right? So surely the best way for us to serve is the same way in which Christ served. Does that make sense? So what did he do? Says Matthew 20, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. That's what Jesus came to do. So first of all, we know, yep, we're here to serve others. How do I serve like Jesus? Well, there are lots of things we could look at. I don't have the time and you don't want to be here for three hours. So I figured, why don't we look at just two key things this morning? Is that okay? Just two key things. The first one I want to look at, because I thought this is really important. Number one, be interruptible. Matthew 20, verse 29 says, As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. They often followed a large crowd wherever Jesus went. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped. It's really, really important, those two words, he stopped and called what do you want me to do for you? He stopped. Now, Jesus was heading somewhere. He had a plan. He had a purpose. He was going somewhere. And yet he stopped. And if we want to serve God, we have to be willing to be interrupted. Do you know, most of the time, whenever Jesus ministered, it was almost, almost always after he'd been interrupted. Have a look at this. John 2, his first miracle, he's interrupted at a wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. You might need to do something. Matthew 8, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. In verse 5 of chapter 8, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Can you please stop what you're doing and come? Can I interrupt you? Can you come with me? Then Jesus got into the boat, now up to verse 23, and started across the lake with the disciples. Suddenly the storm comes, struck the lake. The waves are breaking into the boat. What's Jesus doing? He's asleep. He's fine. He knows that all's going to be good. But the disciples went and interrupted him. They woke him, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. I'm sure they said it probably a bit more scarily than what I just said it. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus climbed into a boat and went across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a, on a mat. You go back, have a look at all the things that Jesus did. Almost always someone comes and interrupts him. And you can imagine what he could have done. He could have said, not now, I'm busy. Jesus let himself be interrupted. Proverbs 3.28 says, if you can help your neighbour now, <clears throat> don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. See, many people say, I want to be used by God. I really want to serve God, but just not at the moment. Because either I'm too busy or the timing's not quite right. Now, I'm too busy. I don't have time because I'm busy achieving my goals, my dreams, my plans, my ambitions. Philippians 2.4 responds to that. 
It says, don't look out only for your own interests. That can be hard for us to take, but it's true. Number two, I would serve God, but the timing's not right. You know, I'm waiting till it's just the right time. You know, when I'm more settled or when the kids are older, when my spouse changes jobs or when my situation changes or when I mature more as a Christian, then I'll do that. Why shouldn't I wait until the timing is right? Um, I think Ecclesiastes puts it really well. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. So what do I need to do to serve like Jesus? Number one, I need to be interruptible. And the second thing is I need to be faithful. Faithful, it means that we don't give up. You don't quit. You know, at the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, he said to God the Father, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. He saw it all through to the end. Who here wants to be able to say that when they go to heaven? I want to be able to. Lord, I did everything that you called me to do. To serve like Jesus is to not give up. It's to persist. It's to continue to serve for as long as you and I are still on this earth. You know, you retire from your job, absolutely. But you know what? You never retire from ministry. You never retire from serving God. I believe that God has a purpose for every single stage of your life. Now, I want to do a side note. Right? This is off. This is off. I want you to park everything I've just said just for two minutes. Right? Side note. Serving can be a very sensitive subject. And the reason is, is that some people have been used and abused by churches. They've given everything they have to serving the church. They're probably given way too much time, way too much energy, and it's affected their family and it's affected other relationships. It's affected their relationship with God. And the result is generally when this happens, they burn out. They've lost their passion for God. And to those people, I say, I'm truly sorry that that has happened to you. I'm sorry that a church has done that. You know, that's why we make sure that we don't do a couple of services at the end of the year. We want the team here to take a break. We want people to spend time with family. We want people to take a rest. It's why we don't have multiple, multiple, multiple services here. We value people more than the service. It's not what God intended. Serving God does not mean letting a church take advantage of your giftings. But we should also serve in our local church. We should. We should serve. But you know what? We should also rest. You should also take time away to spend it with family. You should also have me time, time for yourself. Whether we're at church, resting with family or on our own, whatever you're doing, I would say do it in a way that serves God well. Even when we're not at church serving, you're still serving. You know, if you're relaxing at the beach and someone comes along and a little kid comes along maybe and they run past and splash sand all over you, right? Anyone had that before? 
Maybe even an adult does it to you. You know what? You serve God by how you respond. Let's say you're on a family holiday. You've finally got that holiday and the airline decides that they're going to cancel, cancel your return flight home. You serve God well by the way that you deal with the airline staff. So if I've been overburdened by a church, can I encourage you in time, in time, have another go. But do it with balance because serving is a wonderful thing that God calls us to do. End of side note. So that's my disclaimer. You know, because I've seen it. I've seen serving go really bad and that is not the heart that we have for people in this place. However, the Bible calls us to serve and it says serve, we should serve faithfully. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Then this, sorry, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. How do we be faithful? What will help us to continue to serve God throughout our life? I think the most important thing is reminding ourselves of what Jesus has done for us. I can't think of anything more important. Some people get this crazy idea in their head that if I serve God, he should constantly reward me. And because I'm doing all these good things for the church and then something goes wrong in my life, it's like, well, that how on earth does that happen? God, you're not a very nice God. Like I've done all this stuff for you. Actually, God's done a lot more for you far more than any little thing that you and I can do. God doesn't owe me anything. He's already done the greatest thing for me. Psalm 52.9 says, I'll praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. The second thing we can do is remind ourselves that serving God really matters. You know, most things we actually do in life, they don't matter. Most things do not matter. Um, a lot of things that we do will not matter next week, let alone in a year. You know, people walk their dog and they miss a day and they're all up in arms and upset that they've missed walking their dog for a day. You know what? In a week it won't matter. In 15 years it will matter none at all. The dog will be dead. <laughs> you know, it's exactly the same with pulling out weeds. You pull the weeds out, right? What happens in eight weeks' time? They're back. You can do it. It's good to do it. Don't get me wrong. It's good to walk your dog, right? It's fine. I don't care if you do. But I'm telling you, no one's going to be re remembering that in 20, 30 years' time. Doing 20 hours free overtime a week at work. Your boss might appreciate it. Your boss might even expect it. I don't know. But I can tell you now, in 10 years' time, when you're burnt out and you've left the company and you're jaded, you're not getting a mention. It's been long forgotten but when it comes to serving God, guess what? It all matters. It always matters to God. Every time you serve, it matters, no matter how small it is. Listen to this. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I like that. Nothing that you do. That means that every little thing that you do for God matters. 
And number three, reminding ourselves that what you see is not more significant. You know, from the back row, most of you can probably see my nose. My wife and others have said it's quite significant. <laughs> can you see my nose from the back? You can see it, right? But if my nose had to be removed, I had a little bit of it removed last year, but that was all right. If my nose had to be removed, it won't look great, but my doctor friend over, my surgeon friend over here would probably tell me, you know what, we could remove your nose and you'll still be alive. That, I could live without a nose. I can live, right? I could live without a nose. Because my nose is seen, but it's not significant. Whereas my heart, my actual physical beating, it's in here. Whereas my heart, you know where my heart is. You, even these guys in the front row, they can't see my heart. They cannot see my physical heart. They cannot see it. But if my heart stops beating, right, if my heart stops beating, I might look fine for a second or two. I might look absolutely fine, but I'll quickly die. Why? Because even though my heart isn't seen, it is very significant. So when it comes to serving God, especially at church, some roles are seen, especially my role, the music, the worship team's role, the people that did the notices, the people that come and um, lead us into communion. These are roles that are very, very seen. And these people are still serving God. But as a result of them being seen, people think that our roles are more important. Have you ever seen this in a church where if you've made it to the stage, now you've made it to like, The only problem is that's not biblical. It's not true. The serving that goes on behind the scenes is actually more important. Who says that? The Bible says that. 1 Corinthians 15. On the contrary, those members that seem to be weaker are essential and those members we consider less honourable, we clothe with greater honour. The small hidden acts of service can have big powerful consequences. You know the acts that God loves the most? The ones that no one saw it. They're the ones he loves the most. Everything I do up here is seen. I get no reward for that. It sucks to be me. <laughs> you guys can really cash in on this. The small acts of service have big consequences. We can't see how, but God says they do. You know, in 1934, two teenage boys, they rock up at a church tent rally. They used to do these big rallies like evangelism rallies, right? Two boys rock up, teenage boys rock up at a big tent rally. And they had their phone on. No. <laughs> and, and it was packed. And they couldn't find a seat, right? They, they couldn't find a seat. So the boys are like, oh, we're not going to stay. So they walk off. They leave. One of the ushers, one of the supervisors saw the boys and saw that this was taking place. And so we actually went back, ran out, grabbed them and didn't grab them, but you know what I mean, brought them back and said, come back in. I'll find you a seat. He found them a seat in this big tent, right? Anyway, later on that night, 
both boys went down, gave their hearts to Jesus. And he's one of the boys and he, the card he filled in after doing that. Can you see that? Billy Graham. He went on to lead tens of millions of people to Jesus. Now, who had the more important role that night? The preacher or the usher that brought the boys back in? You, you can determine that. Everything we do for Jesus matters. Every little bit. You might not think it's worth much, but I'll tell you what, if that, if that supervisor did not have the intuition to go and get those boys and bring them back in, who knows? You may not know the people that arrange the seats here or that help with the kids' programs or assist of our youth ministry or manage the foyer or count the offering, water the plants, clean the tables, make coffee, clean the coffee machine, visit the sick, visit the lonely, cook meals for those doing it tough. You may not know people that are praying for people here throughout the week that are doing free maintenance on the building for us that fix the sound system, that organise the stage, that prepare the communion, that unblock the toilet, that open the house for life groups, that clean the church skirting boards, that cook in the church kitchen, sit on the school's board, the school's missions board, the elders' board, create Christmas displays for us in the foyer, make Christmas baskets, create the images on the screen, film the church services, do the lighting at the church, assist families at Green Monkeys throughout the week and bring food in for the poor. You may not know who is doing all of those things. And you know what? It doesn't matter. God knows. Over a month, you might see 30 different people on stage here on a Sunday morning. What we don't see is what the other 200-odd plus volunteers are doing behind the scenes to make our church have the impact that it does in the community, not just on Sunday but throughout the entire week and yet we still have so many needs that we're unable to meet because we don't have enough people to serve and we don't want to burn out those that are already serving. Have you ever wondered why you're here at Port Life? I want to suggest to you that God didn't have you here by accident. I actually believe that you are here because God knew that you had something that the people of this church and community actually need. There's something in you that no one else can offer. God did not bring you here to sit back and look. He brought you here for a purpose. And if you're thinking, I don't have much to offer, I want to say to you today, yes, you do. God brought you here for a reason. God is very purposeful. You have a shape. God wants you to use it. Spiritual gifts. God wants us to use spiritual gifts to help others. You can go and read them in 1 Corinthians 12. But it says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Heart. God wants us to serve him with all our heart, with all our passion, our desire, our hopes and interests and our abilities. God wants me to do what I can do because others haven't been given those particular abilities. We've all got different abilities. Personality. God gave you a certain personality that's going to be able to minister to certain people in a way that only you can. Experiences. God wants to take your experiences, the good ones, but you know what? More so the bad ones and use them to help others. If you've gone through a really bad time, you know what? Sometimes 
The only person that a person that's going through a bad time will listen to is someone else that's been through a bad time because they know that they understand what they've gone through. One day when we stand before God, he is going to say to you and I, to all of us, what did you do with what I gave you? Well, we have to say, sorry, God, you know, I was busy. I just didn't have the time. Um, I would have, but I couldn't be interrupted at those times. Or we have to say, well, I served you for a while. I served you really well, but I figured I'd done my bit and it was time for others to pull their weight. So I just stopped altogether. Only God knows all that we do for him. I won't know. No one else here will know all the different things that you do in, in serving him by serving others. But in Hebrews 6.10 it says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. You know, in Australia, you might, you might get an award if you work really hard for an organisation for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Maybe you won't. Um, Sally reminded me last night I worked for a school in Darwin for 10 years. I gave it my all. I got a mug. It was nice. Had their logo on it. So it was just really just advertising for them really. Um, but that's not why we do it. But the point is no matter all the extra hours and all the extra stuff I did, I got a mug. Still got that mug. I've put it in a special cabinet. I value that mug. <laughs> but do you know what? In heaven, in heaven, you'll get an eternal reward for every little thing that you have done every little way that you served God by serving others. Nothing will go unnoticed. Nothing. Matthew 25, 21 says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You know, when I stand before God one day, I want him to be able to say that to me. Josh, you did what I put you on earth for. You worshipped me. You loved your church family. Your character grew over time to be more like Christ. You shared the good news of other people and you served me by serving others. You know, my final thought today. Our shape determines our ministry, but it's our attitude that determines what we do of it. There are people, I'm sure, in this room with the most amazing stories, experiences, and, and giftings and abilities and, and heart. But you know what? Our attitude determines it could all be wasted. We actually have to make that decision that, you know what, I am going to do this stuff for God. It's all going to come down to our attitude. The purpose-driven life, it's about worshipping God, loving people, becoming more like Jesus, sharing the gospel and serving God by serving others. As we said in the first week, the reason um, these are so important is these are things we're going to do in this earth. Apart from number four, we're going to be doing all these things for eternity. 
All of these things are relevant for the rest of your life. Earth is like our practice ground where we get to just start to learn to worship God and to love people. As tricky as it is for us, because we're all imperfect and we all make mistakes, all of us, you know, just look at my sermon from last weekend. And we all, we all do the wrong thing sometimes, but we try to be more like Jesus. When the opportunity comes up, we try to share the gospel with people. We try through our actions and our words to try and point people towards the most wonderful person, the most wonderful God they could ever have in their life. And we serve, we try to serve God. How? Just by serving other people. They're, these things are so, they're simple to know what it is, but the challenge for us is to actually live it. And that comes to our attitude towards it. Are we going to do this or aren't we going to do it? Because there's going to be so many things in our life going to say, you know what, don't bother. Don't do it. You're too busy. Don't, don't, let, don't, don't be interrupted. Keep, keep building your, your dream, your plan. Keep doing your thing. The problem is, is that your thing has an expiry date. My thing has an expiry date. I can't take it with me. This stuff goes on for eternity. This is the stuff that actually matters. We are here on this planet for a purpose. God plans to spend eternity with you. And He wants us to be part of making sure that every other person has that opportunity to have that as well. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.